is I create such a safe space for them to share absolutely anything. I have zero judgment and through sharing vulnerably online myself, they recognize that I'm as fucked up as they get. And so who am I to judge anyone? Hey, what's up y'all? Welcome to the Perfectly Broken Podcast. Just like the Japanese art of Kintsugi, we're not trying to hide the cracks of our broken past, but rather highlight those struggles with gold. I will be vulnerable, real, and raw with y'all as we figure out how we can turn the damaged pottery of our lives into stunning works of art that are even more beautiful than we ever thought possible. Welcome back to the Perfectly Broken Podcast. Today, I'm going to do something kind of fun, kind of different. I went ahead and asked you guys for some questions for a Q&A episode, and I got quite a few of them. They're all really good, so I just chose a few that I thought might be good topics to talk about. Although I haven't actually taken the time to like think through what my answers are because I wanted them to be more authentic, more like just come from the heart and say the first thing that comes to mind, which I don't know if that's the best idea, but we'll kind of play it by ear. Hopefully this goes all right. I will continue to ask you guys for more questions, see how this episode goes, if it's something that you enjoy then we can keep doing them every once in a while. If it's something you hate, let me know, shoot me a DM. Either way, just let me know so that I can serve you the best way possible. So the very first question I got was, what is foreboding joy? Because I've talked about it before on my podcast, and that's a term that Brene Brown came up with. And foreboding joy can be described as that moment when joy is interrupted by thoughts of, something like, but what if something bad happens? And Brene Brown's perfect example of this is if you're a parent and you are standing over your sleeping child just so full of love and joy, and then you get to that moment of vulnerability and it's like, oh my God, but what if something happens to them? What if they die in their sleep tonight or on their way to school tomorrow? And you start to panic with that feeling of anxiousness and fear of losing that joy. And it kind of makes you take a step back and feel fear around even allowing yourself to express that joy or really lean into it. When I started to realize that I had this, and as silly as it sounds, it was every morning I would wake up and my cuddle bug cat Dexter sleeps with me all night and we would wake up together and he always wants to get under the covers to cuddle with me right when we're starting to get up. And I would just feel this immense feeling of deep love and appreciation and gratitude. But he was sick last year and he's kind of been sick off and on for the past year and a half. 
So I would feel that joy and love and then instantly it would turn to, oh my gosh, what's it gonna be like when I lose him? I can't stand the idea of waking up and not having him here. And I would start to build this anxiety. It was so bad that I thought I had an anxiety disorder. I thought that I had something wrong with me. And I even considered going on medicine for it, which I'm trying to wean myself off of the pharmaceuticals right now. And then I read Brene Brown's book. Damn it, I don't remember which one it is. She has so many good ones. But anyways, I read Brene Brown's book and she talked about foreboding joy for the first time. Or that was my first experience of learning about it. And that's exactly, exactly what I was experiencing. So I don't have an anxiety disorder. I'm just human. I just experience what other humans experience. And that gave me permission to really get curious about it and no longer allow that to define me or hold me back. Now, whenever I start to feel that foreboding joy, when I feel that deep love for someone and it tries to go to fear of losing it, I say, no, I don't accept that. That's not what I'm going to allow into my consciousness right now. And I lean into the gratitude. I lean into the oh, thank God I get another day with Dexter, for instance. Thank God I get another day with my mom or my brother. And I just really lean into the gratitude of the here and now in the present moment. And I don't allow myself to dwell in the anxiety anymore, dwell in the fear anymore. And it really has been such a game changer for me. I really don't experience that level of anxiety that I did for a period of time practically at all. It's incredible. And then the next question I got was, why did you choose vulnerability as your niche? And this is an interesting question because when I started coaching, I fully planned on being an eating disorder coach. And I wanted to help other women who were going through their own eating disorders find food freedom, find the support and accountability that they need. And then I did more journaling on it and I realized I, as much as I love helping women with eating disorders, and that is a huge passion of mine, but I don't want to make that be my everything. I don't want to have eating disorders take up every bit of my thought. I want to move on and you know, I still love, like when I have clients that want to talk about body acceptance or food freedom or anything like that, those are always my favorite sessions. But I like that I get variety. I like that I don't dwell and obsess about eating disorders 24 seven and make that my entire existence like it was for majority of my life. When I was doing this journaling, it asked like the prompt was something along the lines of what do you want to be known for? And I said resilience, vulnerability, radical honesty. And I want to create a brand where people can go and see how much healing you get through vulnerability and spirituality. And then another little note I made was leading with rigorous honesty and authenticity, showing others how courageous and rewarding it is to be vulnerable. And that came out of nowhere. I didn't even 
really think of vulnerability. I think that I was aware of how much it was important in my own life, but I didn't really appreciate how much it has changed my life. And that was, that exercise is when I was like, huh, maybe vulnerability is more of a strength in my life than I realized. And I started to really dive into it. And I realized that vulnerability truly is my superpower. And it is something that I am so passionate about. And it's so easy for me to talk about. And it was the perfect coaching niche. I came up with my like slogan the other day or mission statement, I don't really know. And it is, I always say, you're only as sick as your secrets. And that is kind of like a catchphrase that I picked up a long, long, long time ago. And to go along with that, I said, so let me be your safe space. And that's the thing with vulnerability coaching is I coach on vulnerability for sure and helping my clients learn to utilize vulnerability as their very own superpower to really enhance their life in every way. But the more important thing, I think why my clients really appreciate me as a coach is I create such a safe space for them to share absolutely anything. I have zero judgment and through sharing vulnerably online myself, they recognize that I'm as fucked up as they get. And so who am I to judge anyone? I am not going to hold anything. I know that we're all just doing the best we can in life, especially some of us that are in survival mode and I've been there before. I've done things that I am not proud of and that's part of being human and that's okay. We're not meant to be perfect. We're meant to learn lessons in life. And so I just want to continue to be a safe space and continue to share vulnerably online myself so that others recognize that we're all in this together and I am never going to be perfect. They're not expected to be perfect and I'm here to support and love on you no matter what. And then another question I got was to tell more about the retreat that I'm hosting. And I'm so excited about this. Actually, let me touch on another question I got first, which is what has been the highlight of your year so far? And that is hands down the retreat that I went to in Austin in April. It was my very first retreat. It was a spiritual retreat and it absolutely changed my life. Like I can't even begin to go into every single way that it transformed my life. And I am so passionate about retreats now. So while I was there, I set the intention that I want to host my own retreat someday. You know, expecting like way down the line sometime. And when I was in book club, they were talking about Sedona, Arizona and how it has like energy vortex and it's a very spiritual place. So I set the intention like a week later that I wanted to visit Sedona, Arizona. And then one thing led to another and this retreat literally fell in my lap. Like I couldn't even wrap my head around the reality of it because it was so effortless and it was so just unexpected and perfect. 
and exactly what I was, I mean, even better than I ever could have imagined. It's going to be October 26th through the 29th in Sedona, Arizona, the retreat that I'm hosting. And it'll be hosted by seven world-class quantum coaches who each bring something so different and so valuable to the table. I will be obviously working on vulnerability, but also working on your relationship with food and your body. And then we'll have someone who is focused on your career and your purpose. We have a relationship and sex magic expert, which is going to be awesome. Someone is a cycle syncing and intuition expert. We're going to have a divine feminine embodiment workshop. We're going to talk about women and money and how to manifest the life of your dreams. We're going to have a diversity panel and so many surprises that I'm really, really excited about. We meet every week. We talk all the time. This is the most intentional retreat you know, each one of us have been to our different retreats and some of the women have hosted retreats. Some have been to tons and tons of retreats and each one of us has so much to offer as far as the things that were the highlights and the most impactful parts of the retreats that we've been through. This retreat that we're hosting has so much intention and so much love and effort and dedication towards it. If you guys are interested in learning more about it, it's for the woman who has been yearning for a breakthrough and the opportunity to create immediate change while collapsing time. It's for you if you understand that true harmony starts from within, if you're ready to step into your magic, if you have a deep inner knowing that you are meant for something extraordinary, a life filled with purpose, abundance, joy, if that resonates with you, shoot me a DM. Go check out the website. It's the Follow Your Magic Retreat. And it is going to be an incredible experience where you can meet Soul Aligned sisters that you have for life. If you're looking to join a community, this is the perfect opportunity for that. So if you have any questions, shoot me a DM and I will love to answer anything and help you out. This is going to be the first retreat of many. So even if you are not able to make this one in particular, join the waitlist, get the information, stay tuned for future ones as well. Okay, and then on a completely different note, the next question I got was, what type of guys are you into? That has really evolved so much. So when I was younger, I only dated like the supermodel, gorgeous, like athletic bodies, tall, successful, like all that stuff. But the older I'm getting, the less that appearance really matters to me. I would ideally like a guy that's taller than me. My ex-fiance was my same height and it was not great. I think that that's maybe why he was a little bit abusive was because he had like insecurities around it. I don't know. But anyways, so someone that is ideally taller than me and I'm five foot nine. I want someone who is into health and fitness that has a passion for that lifestyle. Before I was more focused on uh, like the looks and the success and 
I don't know, just things that have changed so much. Now, what I'm looking for is a guy who's into the mindset work, who takes accountability for himself, who is self-aware, who is constantly striving to better himself and better the planet and humanity, and someone who doesn't take himself too seriously, someone that can make me laugh and, you know, that we can have no judgment, we can openly communicate. That's huge for me. Communication is really, really important. Obviously, someone that's loyal, I'm a very, very loyal person in a relationship. Still really want someone who is into health and fitness, but their body is not quite as important to me. Let's see, someone who can kind of get me out of my comfort zone. Must love cats, obviously. And I think I would love to find someone who's into spirituality who does this work as well and understands it and doesn't judge me. And even if they're not into all the woo-woo stuff that I am, someone that at least can support me being me and learning and seeking and growing and doing all that I need to do. Okay, and then the next question is, do you have any tattoos? And the short answer is no. The long answer is, I have always said that I would never get a tattoo. And recently I've come to realize that that is simply because of the good girl conditioning. I've always prided myself on being the good girl and I'm starting to recognize that that is all conditioning and it's all from the patriarch so that I can be controlled and stay small and be obedient and be the perfect little wifey and all that stuff. I'm starting to stand up for myself and be like, no, fuck that. I am my own person. I make my own decisions. And if I want to get a tattoo someday, then hell yeah, I'm gonna get a tattoo. So for the first time, I'm really getting to be more open-minded to it. It would never be something big and extravagant or wild, but I like the idea of getting something just small and simple and really meaningful. And I don't know if I would even have it somewhere that other people could see it. It's more so for myself and for me finding my power, finding my voice, learning to stand up for myself and say, fuck the good girl conditioning. I want to be my own person. I want to have my opinions and live my life. So I really don't know what I would get as a tattoo. Probably something with like spirituality or like eating disorder recovery or love, like choosing love over fear. I mean, hell, maybe even cats. Like, fuck, I have no idea. I'm nowhere near getting to the point of actually acting on it, but I will let you guys know when the day comes. Oh, this question is, how's it going since your repressed memory came back? First of all, thank you so much for asking. This has been a wild ride. So I went to the It's Fucking Spiritual Retreat in the middle of April. And the day I got back from that, I had my repressed memory come back that I was molested as a child. There's an entire podcast episode on that. If you want to go check it out, I go into detail about it. But that was, oh my God insane. Like, 
I've had this repressed memory my entire life and my subconscious was protecting me and it came and it got to a point where I was ready for it. I was ready to process this and work it out. And I started therapy back up again. So I've been meeting once a week with my therapist and we're making a lot of progress. It's been really eye-opening to see just how much this has impacted my entire life, even without me remembering it. Even without the memory there, it has impacted every single part of my entire life. And it's been wild to connect all the dots over my life. So therapy has been going really well. I am a little frustrated at times that it's not going as quickly as possible because I just have like little tiny blurps of the memory, but it doesn't make sense yet. Like it doesn't fully add up. It's been really difficult to process. And also the person who did it and the situation and the circumstances and stuff, that has been really, really complicated because it's someone that has always really meant a lot to me. I don't know if he remembers it and there's just, it's really fucking complicated. It's really, really complicated. So I was hoping that I was going to work through it right away and then like get rid of my insomnia and be sleeping better than ever, but it's been really a slow process. And ironically, I just did a breathwork session this morning to release more of that process, more of that. And the two answers I got were one, that I shouldn't be ashamed of my sexuality, that I need to celebrate it and learn to embrace it and get more comfortable, I guess, with my sexuality because I really have been uncomfortable for, you know, it takes a very special guy to allow me to be comfortable. That's why I've never been able to like have random hookups. Like I only am sexually active with legit official like boyfriends. So it's been, you know, less than a handful of guys in my life and that's okay. You know, we all have different and it's okay if you have plenty of handfuls of guys that you've hooked up with. Like we're all living a different path and I just, was so paranoid about seeing like a piece of meat after my sexual assaults and everything. So that was the one piece that came back with breath work. And then the other one was release the timeline, trust the process, quit trying to make this happen right now and allow it to unfold slowly but surely as it needs to in due time. I'm going to heal my sleep when it's ready and I need to quit just trying to steamroll this, quit trying to make it happen through my ego and allow it to just unfold as my soul chooses, as my unconscious chooses. Okay, and then my next question is, how do you get involved in your own community? This is a fantastic question because I had to figure this out myself just last year. And I found an online community by joining a group program, Rachel Gibbler's Manifestation University. If you want a, an online community, then maybe join a group program that is 
something that really resonates with you. Like this was all about manifestation, spirituality. And so obviously the other women that joined this program were going to be in the same mindset and the same arena that I was in. It was really easy to connect with these women and I have lifelong soul sisters through that now. I also got more lifelong soul sisters through this retreat that I went to. And then I was in therapy last year and I actually graduated from it, which I didn't know you could graduate from therapy. And obviously I've re-upped since I had my repressed memory came come back. But at the time that I graduated last year, she recommended I find a local community, like an in-person community of people that I could connect with and talk to. And I found at Unity the book club there. I absolutely love, love the community that I've built there. I'm pretty much the youngest person. One of my good friends, her daughter comes sometimes now and she's younger and we're trying to have people of all different ages so I'm trying to recruit friends because it has become one of the highlights of my week so I have my couple of local best friends here who I hang out with and I really enjoy that and then my weekly book club is just an opportunity to connect with people who are on the same journey as I am who are open-minded and supportive of learning and growing and evolving together and challenging each other. The discussions that we have in book club sometimes are difficult because people have different perspectives and different opinions. And that is a beautiful part of it is that we're able to openly offer our different perspectives and there's no judgment and it gives us the opportunity to learn and grow together. And it is just I can't say enough about it. So highly, highly recommend. I never thought I would be a book club person. <laughs> like I never, I never read books until last year. And now I'm in two different book clubs and I absolutely adore them. Okay, and then I already talked about what has been the highlight of your year so far. That was the retreat. What is the best tip for learning how to become more vulnerable? This is a fantastic question. I wish I had put a little more thought into it, but I think that my first tip would be start journaling. Just stream of conscious or get journal prompts or whatever works out for you, but just start to get comfortable talking about your feelings, talking about your emotions, processing what's going on in your head. Allow yourself that safe space to get vulnerable with yourself and figure out how it works for you. And once you get comfortable being vulnerable with yourself, then reach out to one close trusted person. If that's me, I would be honored to hold space for you. And just share openly, you know, something vulnerable with that person and then with another person and then another. It really is like a muscle that the more you practice vulnerability, you're going to get positive reinforcements on a regular basis. And it's going to strengthen your abilities and your courage to become vulnerable. And it really does get so much easier. Like I went from 
putting on this facade of having a perfect life when I was secretly struggling and miserable and depressed and I had periods of time where I was suicidal in my life but no one would have guessed it to now I share everything like TMI to the maximum and I am doing naked yoga online you know it really does get easier the more you practice it oh this question is how are you doing since your dad's death so it has been over a year since he died and that was ah, such a difficult experience. It was my first time really losing a loved one because all of my grandparents died before I was born or when I was too young to remember really. It was extremely difficult, the grieving process and I still miss him all the time, but I feel his presence with me every single day practically. And so I never fully got that sense of losing him. And I see his hand in my life now on a regular basis. He was my biggest cheerleader at the end of his life. As y'all know, we had a really difficult relationship growing up, but it made me value what we grew into at the end of his life we were so close and that was the biggest miracle of my life was him coming around and us building that relationship I never thought was gonna happen and so that was the biggest blessing of my life and he was my biggest cheerleader at the end so now that he's died I see his hand and I see him celebrating me and cheering me on from the other side more than ever he was such a huge help and gave great advice and everything and he did so much for us but now from the other side, from the spirit world, he's able to do even more. And I see him just stepping up and helping guide me and support me. And it has been so incredible. And I just feel so loved and supported. He's in pure sport, spirit form now. And so it's just unconditional love. There's no judgment. There's no triggers that we used to have. There's no resentment. It's just pure love and support and celebration together. So I really am doing fantastic so much better than I ever expected with him being so much older I always knew that he was going to die someday you know it was my biggest fear it really was traumatizing growing up knowing that we would get in such big blowout fights and then me having that major anxiety and fear at the same time that he could die at any time and I was terrified of him dying in the middle of one of our fights so the fact that he lived long enough for us to build and nurture this relationship and get closure at the end was such a gift and i'm so grateful to him so so grateful to him so i'm really doing better than i ever could have imagined and it's thanks to the support of my family and friends and you guys and everyone so thank you so much for asking then the next question is, why did you start doing your Creeper of the Day stories? Those always make my day. Well, thank you. And that is a funny story. So if you guys follow me on my Healthy Foodie page, then you know 
I do creeper of the day stories sometimes because guys try to slide into my DMs pretty much every day and I never take them seriously because if a guy's trying to slide into my DMs, then how many other women is he trying to slide into their DMs? And I ignore 99% of them, but there are the ones that can't take a hint. There are the ones that will not leave me alone. Hi, hi, how are you? Hi, I love you. Hi, you're beautiful. Hi, be my wife. And it used to really trigger me thanks to my sexual assaults and the traumas that I've had. It felt like I was being raped all over again. The fact that these guys would not respect my boundaries, that they would not leave me alone, that they were only after me for my body or whatever it might be. They didn't know me. They didn't like me. They just saw what they thought was a pretty face or nice tits or something and wanted to slide into my DMs. So when it gets to the extent that a guy is starting to make me feel dirty, then I'm like, it got to a point where one day I was like, you know what, fuck this. I'm sick of giving my power away. I'm sick of letting these guys take any bit of mental space from me and harm me in any way. So I wanted to flip the script and I started to troll them and I started to fuck with them and post it on my stories and make fun of them and, you know, just blast them to the world because that's not okay. It's not okay to try to harass random women, especially when I tell them no. And when I try to set the boundary and they will not respect that, then I'm going to flip the script and take it and like, you know, see what I can do. And it's kind of a running joke that I always try to get money out of them. Obviously, I've yet to actually do it, but most of them are scammers trying to get my money or hack my account. So I did have one guy with a foot fetish who tried to pay me $5,000 though. And that was the funniest one. I posted those stories of my creeper of the day and I woke up the next morning to like a hundred DMs because everyone was all about that one. That one was hilarious. So yeah, it's just given me the opportunity to take my power back and have fun with it. I haven't been doing them as often recently. I'm still getting plenty of guys sliding into my DMs. I just haven't had the energy to engage with them or put up with their bullshit. So I haven't been doing as many, but I still love to do them whenever I do have the energy and y'all's reactions make it all worth it. So thank you. And then the final question that I will answer today is, what is one piece of advice for someone secretly struggling with an eating disorder? First of all, my heart goes out to you. I would not wish an eating disorder on my worst enemy. You know, it's bad enough to have an addiction, have be an alcoholic or a drug addict or something like that where you're able to cut it cold turkey and you know, you have that chemical dependency and so don't get me wrong, like it is still one of the hardest things you will ever go through. But just think about with an eating disorder, you have to engage in that vice multiple times every single day and pray that you survive it. That's why eating disorders are the number one mortality rate for mental health issues. 
And my analogy that I love is think of your eating disorder as a tiger or addiction as a tiger. And if you are an alcoholic, you can lock that tiger in the cage and walk away. And it's going to be difficult because you're still going to have events and stuff where alcohol is involved and that's going to be a temptation. But you don't have to ever have another sip of alcohol for the rest of your life. You can lock that tiger in the cage and walk away and never revisit it. With an eating disorder, you have to unlock that cage, put that tiger on a leash, and take it for a walk three or more times a day and pray it doesn't attack you every single time. And that is why an eating disorder is so much more difficult to get over. And so my one piece of advice is start by sharing it with someone. Get vulnerable. Like I said, you're only as sick as your secrets. And if you're able to start talking about it, find an accountability buddy. Find someone that you don't have to hold it in any longer because eating disorders are such an isolating disease. You shouldn't have to go through it alone. Find at least one person, me, I would love to hold space for you, as you guys know, and just reach out to someone and say like, hey, I have a secret and I am very ashamed of it, if that's the case, and I need to tell you. And if you don't have the capacity at this point to vocalize it, then write it down, write it in a letter and give it to someone. But just get it out and start to talk about it more and more because the more you talk about it, the less power it has over you. The more you can ask for that support and accountability and get the help that you need, which is huge because you shouldn't do this alone. You shouldn't have to do this alone. It is so much easier when you are able to ask for the support and help from others. So yeah, this has been kind of a fun episode for me and I'm very curious what y'all think about it, if you got anything out of it, what your favorite part of it was, what your least favorite part of it was, and what other questions you guys have for me in the future. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, like, subscribe, Follow me on Instagram at HealthyFoodieTX and the Perfectly Broken Podcast. And I can't wait to see you guys next week.